I want to discuss uh, Matthew's thoughts on cured meats a bit more. Oh, oh yes, yeah, that was left uh, like an uneaten carcass by a vulture, wasn't it? Yeah. We left because... that one, we left that one hanging like a manky old piece of Italian sausage. <laughs> well, so my I don't understand why because you like meat, we know that, mm. and and you don't like things that glisten, mm. and. Cured meats are like the least glistening. They form are dry. Of meat. You are right. Yeah, you are right. I've been thinking about that. I don't. I think it may just be specifically Parmahan, and, and maybe I generalise too much. <laughs> I've been listening back to some of these older podcasts, and I think this may be my wider problem. <laughs> Have you had a sort of a road to Damascus moment? <laughs> well, I was thinking, do I hate all things that that glisten? Truly. Not really. I love jelly. <laughs> that glistens. It does. Um, no, I, there are there are definitely uh, you know I like pizzas with various uh, you know pepperoni and other sausagey type things on. Um, it's something about Parma ham. It looks it looks like old wafer thin ham. You know, it looks like oh, just someone left some ham out. It is quite leathery. I will give you that. And also, Have you ever tried microwaving it. Why? What? It's delicious. It becomes bacon. Why? But that's a very expensive way of making bacon. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I just I, I did some to put on a cheese toastie. See what would happen. It was oh. great. Then I that's... had to drink nine liters of milk. That's such a like a modern chef thing, isn't it? Where it's like, oh, it's a bacon sandwich, but the bacon is parma ham that's been reheated, and the bread is actually a I don't know what's what's posh bread. Um, Focaccia. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I really um, I I, mean, I like fancy cooking. Before in the before times, I used to really like going to my my big sort of expensive treat was going to well fancy restaurants like occasionally and like that really high-end stuff where everything's just bananas well not literal bananas that would be a very poor restaurant but odds you know that stuff's yeah. good what i don't like is the sort of high high aspirational mid-tier restaurants that just take a perfectly good meal and replace every good ingredient with something slightly posher that tastes slightly worse. And mm. then because like it gets rave reviews, it gradually consumes normality. For example, brioche buns on burgers mm. are universal now. And it's, you know... It's not a good bread for a burger. Yeah, it's, just, it, it, it's really absorbent cake. It's really absorbent. And it, there's no structural integrity to the bun. At all. So it just dissolves as soon as it gets juicy. I agree. Well, also, the burger's eight foot tall and one inch wide, <laughs> like most of these bloody clown cylinders are. And it has to be held together with a toothpick. And as soon as you remove that, it's like a Jenga tower and just all collapses. Oh, I'll get really cross about this. My specific beef, it, I really like mac and cheese. Why, whenever you go to like a fancy restaurant, or a mid-tier fancy, like you say. They're like, oh, we've got some mac and cheese because it's a bit common. <laughs> but we put truffle in it. Don't put truffle in mac and cheese. It's everywhere. It just makes it honk, doesn't it? Yeah. 
disgusting. Do you know what is good though? What is proper good? Lobster in mac and cheese. Oh no. Jesus! Get That's out so of opulent. The fucking gout special. Look, listen, <laughs> mate. We've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> Intro, but I think it's alright. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, welcome, listener, to episode 131 of, or 132, actually. I apologise of the Electronic Wireless Show uh, podcast, the best buildings and games special. Uh, this is Rock Paper Shotguns PC gaming podcast, and it's the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is that of Alice Bell. And I'm joined this week by Richard Rogers. Hello, uh, that, I'm the designer of the Millennium Dome, for those that are unaware of my work. What a deep cut. <laughs> not, not particularly, it's like one of the most famous landmarks in London that I designed. Also the Pompidou Centre, if you are from Paris. The Pompidou Centre is like an inside-out building. Well, that, well that's my whole deal. I, 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 did, I do inside-out buildings, you see. Pompidou Centre is the one with all the pipes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good pipes, Roger. Cheers. <laughs> and that other voice you can hear is apparently the castle from Age of Empires 2. Right. Hello, castle from Age of Empires 2. Hi. Uh, I see what the bit's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, just creating a trebuchet, don't mind me. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how long you can keep this up, folks, before he forgets. Um, uh, uh, well, I mean, we've done a, like a five-minute intro already, but um, Richard Rogers, how are you? How have you been? Any more pizza anecdotes for the, uh, the fans? No, this week? no, I'm afraid no more pizza anecdotes. I was listening back to that pizza anecdote last week. Um, I don't think it was as strong as strong as as I as I thought it was. Um, no, it got specific praise from listeners, Matthew. Oh, they enjoyed the pizza chat. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of pressure to deliver, uh, like, boring anecdotes, but I <laughs> I really don't have anything. Nothing has happened to me this week at all. I thought you were about to say, I don't have anything boring. Oh, I did have a, you know, a knife fight with a werewolf. But, uh, <laughs> it's not on brand. No. no um I've been watching, uh, there's been some online film festivals recently and Catherine bought us lots of tickets to watch sort of online streams of uh, specifically uh, a Japanese film festival and the Korean strand of the Glasgow Film Festival. So we've just been watching loads of um, quite depressing Japanese and Korean films. Um, We watched one the other day about... uh, like a, a man whose job it was to stop people uh, jumping off a bridge, um, which was oh which was pretty. Yeah, so that's that's how I've been filling my evenings with joy. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> dot eu. Yeah. So any any uh, <laughs> anything better than that to report? Uh, uh, not really. I mean, I'm making a dragon, 
uh, I'm crocheting a dragon. I bought a bunch of Amigurumi books to make little fun animals. I bought a new one the other day specifically because it's got a depressed anglerfish pattern in it, which made me laugh a lot. Um, it's called like oh. Angie the Anglerfish or something. I want to mate them. So I've been doing that. Uh, I've not watched any depressing films, unfortunately. I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, I I considered the pizza anecdote from last week. And I did think, actually, Palmer Ham doesn't really go on a pizza. Similar to truffle in... Cause it's, not, it's just not the nicest pork product to put on a pizza. I don't think mm. Palmer Ham really goes with, you know... The pizza. Oh, I disagree almost violently. It's it's great. No, oh, it's too it's too kind of s- sweet, I think. Ooh, but not but not kind of tomatoes are sweet. I mean, I like anchovies on pizza. Ugh. I like pineapple on pizza. I would probably even deal with a pineapple and anchovy pizza. Like, I basically just like all sorts of different foods. I was just going to say, I don't mind pineapple on pizza, although it breaks the key role, rule of fruit oh, yeah. in a main course. What is this? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't go through my food chart that was made for me. You're it turns a... out I hate pineapple on pizza. You're breaking all the rules. What's going oh, on? No. It's like, what's that thing where the, what's that thing where the wrestlers have, where they're like pretend, kayfabe. you know, they, yeah. God broken damn it. kayfabe, yeah. Whoops. What's going on? Oh, because I was going to say. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to. Sorry, I'm just imagining a wrestler now with Ma- Matthew Castle as the, his in ring persona. <laughs> and he's like this incredibly sort of reckless sort of biker outside the ring. And then it's just a man who's very careful about what foods he enjoys inside. I'm sure we've, yeah, talked about the centrist dad as a, a wrestling persona. We had. Um... Uh, after because we had all this leftover pizza after last week's um, pizza anecdote, there was there was some debate in our house about whether it was bad to reheat pizza. <laughs> both because neither me and Catherine could work it out, and we were doing lots of Google searches about whether you could die from reheated pizza. <laughs> okay, so here's here's a. a thing that I, I have arguments I've had arguments with significant others about before and I'll be interested actually on Nate's take on this particularly I maintain that when you have leftover pizza so you have a takeaway you get a dirty great yeah. pizza right next day what are you going to do with the pizza I maintain that day old pizza is better cold than it yeah. is reheated absolutely it just tastes right. better but it doesn't poison you if you reheat it. I, I, don't, well, I don't think really so. got a massive issue with the whole, oh, if you reheat it, it'll poison you. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's just like based on sort of 13th century witch science. <laughs> yeah, it was, isn't, it, isn't it from when like sausages all were just full of botulism? Well, yeah, the, 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 idea is, the idea is, right, that if... Like, once you've cooked a food, bacteria can settle on it and, you know, you refrigerate it and it calms them down. And then if you, you know, if it warms up again, but isn't piping hot, the bacteria will, will, will multiply again. Like Captain America. Exactly like Captain America, yeah. Like when he multiplied and 
and budded <laughs> into loads of tiny muscular men. Um, yeah, but the the fastest breeding bacteria in the world, I think, replicates in like sixteen minutes. You know, so unless you are failing to fully reheat something, but then incubating it at the ideal temperature for bacterial growth for about an hour, mm. you're not really at risk. Like if you, you know, if you like get a, a, a curry out of the freezer and just sort of microwave it till it's warm and then consume it, you won't have a great time because, you know, You'll be eating sort of this chilly slush, but it, it wouldn't hurt you. Oh, uh, you see, I don't, I've just carried this from childhood. For that like vaguely reheated food is like some just can't be reheated because it will kill you. Oh, it's um, like you can also enjoy chowing down on raw pork in this country. Um, mm. But the problem is trichinosis and, and tapeworms, uh, which like do not occur at all. Uh, in in UK pork, so yeah. Mm-hmm. When you go to Japan, they really like pork fillet rare, like pink in the middle. It's very nice. Oh. Yeah, but we've we've got this sort of instinctive terror of it because of parasites that haven't been in our food for about twenty years. Uh, we see. I, I don't really eat pork, whatever. So because it's the meat that I feel is probably closest to human in texture. <laughs> Okay. What? Well, huh? Especially when it's got like hair on it. I always feel like I'm eating a man's cheek. So... <laughs> I just don't like I I dread it. When someone's like roast pork, if I go to someone's house and they've made roast pork, I'm too polite not to eat it, but I I genuinely I can't swallow roast pork. Like I just Do you chew know it forever. So grim, Matthew, that will probably haunt you for the rest of your life. Yeah, go for it. I bought um, a, a jar of sausages once um, from the eerie chiller section of a newsagent. <laughs> <laughs> and I was chopping them up to put in a sandwich. And uh, an eyelid unrolled <laughs> with eyelashes inside <laughs> the sausage. <laughs> Like it was giving you a seductive wink. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... That's so awful. I mean, like, another rule I have, and I think this one isn't that fussy, is I refuse to eat anything that winks at me. Yeah, uh, that was harrowing. <laughs> it was absolutely harrowing. See, I don't think I'd have been able to eat, ever eat sausages again after that. No, I was just back on... I finished the rest of the, the jar. Oh, my God. That jar would have been in the bin. Well, you know, something died for that jar. I don't want to chuck it away. I I will say, I do realise the pork thing's mad because I eat all, like, the nasty scuzzy bits of the pig or the bits of the pig that get, like, minced up. I won't eat the nice bit, the pure meat, but, you know, so it goes. Just a big old eyelid sandwich for you. I I have heard the, the apocryphal tale before that, like, pork is closest to what human tastes like i don't know the provenance of those like who would know um but my response to that possibly because i'm some sort of dangerous sociopath is that like what that just means that people probably taste really nice (laughs) 
<laughs> like I, pork I, is pork is the meat I miss most from not eating meat. Genuinely, oh. I've god sausages and bacon. Oh god, they're so good. Sausages and bacon so are fab, but pork. Mm, I, oh, um, no, I watched a documentary so about spontaneous combustion once. And you know about whether it was true or whatever, and they did this this test in it where they wanted to show how someone could sort of what the process was of the burning that once once someone had started to burn, how spontaneous combustion could could in theory kind of play out. But they obviously didn't want to do it with the human body. But they said because the pig was closest to a human, they had a pig, but they dressed it up as like a person so they were fire. <laughs> So it was like a pig in an armchair, but wearing like a cardigan and trousers. It looked like one of my grandparents. <laughs> really traumatic. What a night. Because they oh, say, is it, like, I think once you're on fire, like it's like all the fats from your meat go into your clothes and you become like a big human candle, which is what keeps you burning, apparently. Oh, I bet it smells delicious. <laughs> oh, gross. Yeah. Anyway, I can't think of a way to segue to our topic from this. I'll be honest, <laughs> I'm struggling. Has anyone got anything? Yeah. Fires can yeah. sweep through cities, destroying buildings. <laughs> which we are here today to speak of. Oh, very good. Excellent work. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm anakining your Obi-Wan at this segue game. No, yeah. Which just means you're going to hack me apart and leave me to die on a volcano, actually. So. True. Does that make me Jar Jar Binks? Yes. Frank so, Chief. <laughs> oh, well. You're the racist fish. <laughs> We're here to talk about our favourite buildings in games. Because. Um, uh, now you've been writing a lot about building games recently. There are loads of kind of there's a, a sort of oh, resurgence yeah. in in classic strategy games. Got a few of them coming out, and I was just thinking about you know city builders and and just buildings in general and construction. So I thought, well, let's talk about some. There, this, there are some bloody good castles in games, lads. Um, I'm one of them. <laughs> you are. What do you want to talk about the castle from Age of Empires two? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just dive straight into that. It's a lovely old thing. Um, it's such a, a key unit in in the game strategy because so Age of Empires 2, there's four ages Dark Age, Feudal Age, Castle Age and Imperial Age and you have to amass a certain amount of resources to jump up to each one. And Once you do, you get access to loads of new stuff and you become more powerful. And it's like the the arguably the, the biggest sort of milestone moment in the game is hitting the castle age because then as the name suggests matthew castle is recruitable uh, mm. in the barracks um, but you can also build the castle um, and it changes everything because all the other buildings are fairly flimsy and defenseless which is this honking great slab of rock uh, that fires millions of arrows at anything that gets near it. <laughs> and so you, you know, you turn on a dime and suddenly your base is, is impregnable until someone hits Imperial Age and gets trebuchets, which can take down castles. So it's really interesting. 
you can be playing this desperate defensive game for ages, getting raided by all horse lads and stuff, but then you just get up a castle and they can't do that anymore. You're like protected essentially for about maybe sort of 15, 20 minutes uh, and you can go on the attacks. It's a really good bit of design and it's just visually lovely as well. All the different um, sort of civilization groups have different ones. So you get the um, sort of Middle Eastern fortifications with lovely round turrets um, and you get um, the Japanese castle model is splendid. Um, and then you've got the good old like classic Dracula house uh, for Ooh, the nice. European civs. Very, very good. Looks like a show. All bats and wolves coming out of it. And nice. it makes a lovely noise when you put it up, which I'm going to do again. <laughs> Can you build just endless castles, or are they quite expensive? They are quite expensive, but I'm the joke with the people I play with is that even if I lose the game, I always win the stone prize. I always collect the most stone out of everyone in the game because I'm obsessed with castles. And right. everyone else, we usually build two or three, and I usually build like seven. Oh, nice. Just love them. <laughs> I, I sort of, because I've never played Age of Empires 2, um, but from reading your posts about it, I've started to understand things like castling and, you know, winning by getting to the, like, you need to get to the castle age first, if possible. Otherwise, you're at a massive disadvantage and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting how it's, like, yeah, an integral part of your gameplay tactic, as it were. The game should keep on going up until the tourism age where all those castles then just become like part of the national trust and you just get to <laughs> and you just get to see like the landscape you created for strategic battles but through the eyes of like holidaying families that'd be great civ 6 actually does that does it <laughs> yeah um when you research um flight i think it is all of your castles and stuff, which have been useless for ages, suddenly start generating tourism points. Oh, wow. It's really cool. Um, yeah. So I don't know why I don't play Civ Six anymore, because it's got some cracking things like that. That's good. Good. That really good. What's, what's that new one coming out with all the buildings from the different eras kind of mixed together? Humankind. Ah, yes. I wonder if that'll have some good castle action. I, I liked the, um, the demo I played. That is interesting, isn't it? Because for listeners who don't know, it's sort of like a Civ. It's a Civ game, but you get to choose, uh, once you reach a new age, you get to choose uh, a different um, civilization, uh, as it, like a different culture, basically. And so then your cities will become sort of mishmashes of different sorts of buildings and stuff that will look really different and so each game you play could be unique for these thousands of combinations possible you get like an eiffel tower next to a pyramid things like that it's cool yeah that kind of thing yeah when you switch civs you like you lose the main sort of bonuses but you keep little legacy perks so like you know your egyptian i don't know fat horses will stay <laughs> 
extremely <laughs> robust, even when you're like, I don't know, the Malayans 2,000 years later. But you, you, I yeah. think you also keep, don't you keep some like specific like signature units from each history. So you're, so you're like last, you're, you're like when you reach the final civilization, the final age, your army will be a combination of like, you know, modern military men and it, but it will still have like some sort of chariots from, you know, wherever Babylonian chariots or something in the mix. Yeah. And that's quite interesting as well, because it means you're having to sort of, when you're deciding what culture to be going into a new age, you're sort of thinking, well, this one's got uh, a unique unit that will really benefit me war-wise, but then this other one, you know, is going to do wonders for my science, but all it will grant me with is a caveman with a stapler on the end of a rope. (laughs) But surely, like, any, like, any, like, modern civilization, like, the gunman variation... Is going to be able to kill like anything that came before. Isn't that the whole idea of military advancement? Is it always replaces what came before? Like, there's no way the Babylonian chariot, if that is a thing, is going to be able to stand up to one man with a gun. Yeah, I'm not sure how it will work. I always wanted to see one of these games where they properly committed to the bit, and you know, you could have your Sumerian chariots. But then, if you then advance to like the industrial age, it becomes like a big stone car with a lion carved on it, <laughs> and like a man in a a mud brick turret on the top firing a machine gun. You know, yeah. just some mad technology that would have happened if the Sumerians had lasted to the year nineteen fifty. <laughs> I love the idea of that. That does sound pretty good. Uh, Cut to the developers of humankind kicking themselves for not doing this. Oh, I should have had the lion car. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what about you? Are there any buildings that you? Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't play any building games really because I find them a bit too stressful. I'm not very good at managing multiple things at once. So I was thinking more about like individual buildings, which were kind of integral to games that I've liked. Um, I thought of a couple. The first one I was thinking about was the Finch House from Ooh, What yeah. Remains of Edith Finch. That's a good house because really that's a house. that's like a madhouse because they just kept building extra bits on the house as more family members were born. So it's kind of like you can see the core of the house and it's got all like weird extra turrets and stuff, um, which is kind of confusing. Well, it's not confusing because uh, the, the whole thing of that game is that the family members die off. Was there ever a period where they were all living in the same house? Like, surely you could have just, you know, you had the bedroom of the last person who died, and then it could have just been a normal size. That's the thing, isn't it? It's that the grandma Finch was like, no, the rooms must be sealed off. Oh, that's it. She locks them up. The other thing with that is that the rooms are really bespoke for the personality of the person who lived in that room. You know, they really went all out on decorating them and kind of creating, um, you know, furniture and decorations or whatever that kind of matched what their whole deal was. Um, But knowing what they know about, like, lifespans in their family, 
I wonder if there was ever a point where they thought, you know, is this worth it? Like, should we just leave it a bit before we go out and decorate this room? Because it's a lot of work for, like, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's blip. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> No? That's a bit bleak. It's well, a bit, bit mercenary. I'd leave it to like you can decorate it like on your twentieth birthday or something, just to make sure. And then it's just a standard room. You you can live in a miserable, joyless box for your for your almost entire like for your well, entire just childhood. Generic, and then, like just generic IKEA furniture. And then. You know. uh, at the point that you're ready to actually move out and leave home, <laughs> well, you may then decorate home. your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you've you've you're so, like you've you've proven yourself capable of staying alive, so it's worth it now. I love I would, okay. where you're like a bewildered spearman looking behind you at the hill you've chosen to die on. This is not a hill I'll die on. I'm just putting it forward as an idea for discussion. All right, okay. All right, no, I want to, okay. I want to do a small role play here, right? I am going to be a six-year-old child and you, yeah. Matthew, are my parent, right? Yeah. So... Dad, can I can can I can I paint my walls a different color in my bedroom and put up the things I want and have a bunk bed that looks like a tree? No, can I decorate you might my die. <laughs> That would be it, would it? That would be the Well that's it. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. That's the argument. Alright, I'm gonna be your immortal, indestructible son Gigantus. <laughs> okay. Father Construct me a new barn. <laughs> well, you want you are stronger than my other child, so the odds are good. Yes, I permit you a barn. Build it for me, <laughs> or I will destroy you. Well, I don't think I have to. Be, I don't know how to. But you know, I'll crush your head like a grape. Oh, jeez! Well, how did I Build spawn? Me a barn. Spawn this monstrous beast. I don't I have to build a barn. I had to Google whether or not it was okay to eat reheated pizza. I could like, <laughs> do, you, do I sound like someone who could build a barn? You had better learn fast, mortal. Oh god, this is a very so, yeah. stressful role play. <laughs> Edith Finch, the Legend of Gigantus. Have you played Edith Finch? <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that adds up. <laughs> I feel like the landscape of video games would be kind of be very different, but in a way slightly homogenous. If Nate had a hand in <laughs> brutes and everything, yeah, there isn't. Well, there is a sort of. I swear, one of them's a bit brutish. <laughs> I don't isn't think there so. a... No, maybe not. I'm just, just just doing a quick scan of all the death. I only really remember them by their deaths. So I'm just no, maybe not. No. Is the fish guy? Is the fish factory guy a brute? I don't know. No, he's not a brute. Oh. Poor guy. That's one of the best ones. There's um, a guy who tins fish until he goes mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's legit. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, you, you know about that, do you? You've heard of that happening. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, anyway. John West mania. <laughs> you can overtake it all. <laughs> Sardine syndrome. Oh, oh, God. Just imagining, like, Matthew going up to, like, like unattended children in parks and bending down and being like, "You're gonna die." Well, no, <laughs> gonna die no, one no, day. No, 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 I'm talking specifically about the cursed Finch family. But still, you can't like. Can I decorate my room? No. Why? Because you might die. Well, you why? Why wouldn't you say like, so you don't have enough money? If you, if that, why, why? Why would you have to tell the child that they're gonna? Anyway, this is beside the point. I agree. Edith Finch's house is a very good house. It's a good house. I, What's I'm like concerned. Architecturally, kind um, of higgledy piggledy, I believe is the, the term. What sort of weird yokel phrase is that? I mean, I'm not criticizing your use of it. I, it's a um, it's a weird it, term, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you couldn't use either word on its own. Like, well, it's a bit piggledy. Yeah, but that's why they're never used by themselves. They're always paired. Isn't there? I is think it, there's a pie brand which is named after. Isn't there? A, I love those pies. They're really expensive. So they're, they're Higgledy pies, pies or Higgledy pies. I can't remember. It's Higgledy, yeah. Because they're supposed to be like these pies look like they're handmade. They don't, but uh... Higgledy pies. Maybe yeah. I'll set up a rival Piggledy pies. Oh, that'd be quick, good. Uh... Very quick fact, which I will divert with because it's cute. Um, my daughter, I gave her the uh, the opportunity to name um, a goby last night, one of the new gobes, and she thought, and then just pointed it and said, "It's called Duddle." Oh, it's good. It's uh, a so good what name. About this one, she said, "It's called Duddle as well." Oh, so now I've got two gobies, both called Duddle. Well. <laughs> Did you then explain to her that she's going to die? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I did the, the, the castle school for the... Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, you've, you've massively taken this, this out of context. <laughs> we'll I do feel. everything we can to, to try and drag you. <laughs> like, I, I think I'd be a very uh, good father. Um, I mean, the tr- I, I still wouldn't decorate the room, but that's mainly because I, I just can't stand, like, painting walls and things like that. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but that's okay. Gigantus wouldn't be best pleased. Oh, my God. Oh. I you, if, I had a, if I had a kid, they probably would be gigantic because I'm, I'm a big, big dude. Like the, well, mm. um, I'd love to have a giant son. <laughs> my daughter started having fights at school. Oh my god! I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I've completely lost control of this episode at this point. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it wrong that even though she's like two and a half, and the fights are just like nonsensical shoving? Is is it wrong? I'm quietly rooting for her to win and become powerful. I think that's quite natural, isn't it? Yeah. If she wins, she'll get she'll get like a huge confidence boost. If she loses, she'll be nervous throughout the whole life. 
Like, I really want to be like, no, violence isn't the answer. This is, you know, this isn't great. That's a big yikes from me, daughter of mine. But secretly, I'm like, yes, beast them. I'd get the fighting out of your system when you're young and you don't remember it. And also, like, you, you know, you can't really do any damage when you're two and a half. So you get all your fighting done, get all your confidence from the fighting then, and then grow up to be a confident, peace-loving adult. It's actually very wise. I See, don't know. I would be a good I dad. Don't, I don't know if I agree with. <laughs> well, no one's going to remember. Look, look, look. Gate video games. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, but I will say there's a flaw in your argument because you're saying no one's going to remember, but also you're going to remember being confident. That doesn't work. Yeah, but you won't know where it came from. You'll just have a sense of confidence. No, ridiculous. Moving on. Right. Let's talk about <laughs> buildings and games. Right. Uh, Dishonored. I know we talk about Dishonored a lot. We brought it up on basically every podcast. Um, however, very good buildings in the Dishonored series. Great buildings. Um, really great buildings. I mean, notably, there's uh, Kieran Jindosh's mansion uh, from uh, the Dishonored 2. There's the Hound Pits pub, which is great. Uh, there's Bishop Nasty Man's Fortress of Fear. The Fortress of Fear, really good, because there are all these... It's similar to... There's a lot of um, stealth games that just have really well-designed buildings because you kind of have to, because for it to be a satisfying stealth game, you need to have lots of routes in and routes out and for it mm. to kind of make sense. Um, so there are some really good buildings in... Um, uh, what's the one with the robot arm? He didn't ask for this. Adam Jensen, that one. Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> What, oh god, what's it called? Deus Ex. Deus Ex. Sorry, yeah. Oh, very well. The thing is, they're good houses for stealth games, but they've been a nightmare to live in because there's so many points of entry. If you're going to bed, like having to check all those doors and windows, if you're worried about that stuff, which I am. Um, you're it's worried kind specifically of a... about Corvo. Well, no, I'm not worried about him coming. I'm just saying, like, so if I lived about. in those houses, I'd be like you'd have to walk a proper circuit at the house and they're big places as well before you went to bed checking the doors. Like I, I get, you know, there's only like two points of entry in, in our house that I, you know, the house I actually live in. And that's like enough to kind of play on my mind. Like, Ooh, did I lock the front door? But there's like 20 doors in these places. Well, yeah. But that's why you have like a bunch of guys with V for Vendetta masks, accordions and extremely muscular dogs wandering around. Well, I don't want that when I'm going to... I don't want to have to pay for a staff. I just want to live in the house. One of the, the zealots, they'll do it for free because you're like Bishop Bishop Badman. Yeah. You wouldn't have a house that big unless you were a yeah. fancy bishop. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah. I forgot that every every house came with free zealots thrown in. Well, they're not free, but you wouldn't live in a house like that big unless you were rich enough to afford at least one aged retainer, right? Yeah. God, yeah. Imagine, though, if every house came with, like, magical zealots in reality, and, like, if you yeah, if you got a huge mansion, you'd get a load of, like, bastards with accordions. <laughs> but, it, you know, even if you bought, like, a, a shoebox-sized Barrett Holmes new build, you'd get one, like, really wretched... <laughs> So <laughs> feeble zealot with a screwdriver 
who's afraid of assassins. <laughs> I have I have to say, I think Matthew, in terms of like you know, the energy that Matthew exudes, I would say Matthew has more of the kind of um live in butler who like lives on in the house or on the estate with his wife rather than owner of huge mansion and then like you know (laughs) you'd be the one that would be like suspected of doing the murder because you had keys to all the rooms and that you know like yeah slightly sinister has a past thinks won't won't eat i'm glad you see me as a sinister servant for life i mean that you've made a lot of statements on this episode alone that i feel I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous about reheat pizza. I mean, that's a butler would know. No, that. It's he bit, didn't have to Google it's, it. It's a bit where you said if you were Edith Finch, you wouldn't have allowed the children to decorate their rooms because they were going to die and it would be a waste. If I was or... a butler, I wouldn't have an opinion on the matter. I'd just I'd nod at whatever <laughs> Grandma Finch decided, even though I disagreed inside. <laughs> or not she'd eating. Be like, yes, of course you'll paint your room pink, and I'd roll my eyes to my you know in the background. <laughs> Or, or not eating pork because you think it's like a man's cheek. <laughs> yeah, pork's too good for butlers. <laughs> anyway, butlers so yeah, I think furious with us. <laughs> Do you think any butlers listen? If any butlers listen to the Electronic Wireless Show, uh, write in and let us know. Oh God! Um, and I also. I like in games where you have like a place that starts off kind of derelict and then as you go, uh, RPGs generate like, and I know I mentioned oh. this as well, but Dragon Age Inquisition has Skyhold and yeah. you can like give it a nice, uh, you can decorate it and then you can like expend resources on like uh, a new garden or, you know, a tower and that kind of stuff. And I like that sense of gradually owning a space and mm. sort of upgrading it. Doing up the mansion in Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. Or yeah. Assassin's Creed 3 or any of the subsequent Assassin's Creed because they like to oh, use the, their um, good ideas. The Acropolis in an Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey. That's lovely. I watched a YouTube video the other night of just someone doing like the learning mode tour of the Acropolis. Oh. It was really good. It was a bit like going to the Acropolis, only with more like ripped Greek women. I I went to the Acropolis when I was like 17, I think, and it was amazing. I mean, like, so impressive. I hated uh, the school trip at the time because they made us get up at 6am every day, but it was so that we could go to these places sort of A, before any of the tourists like other tourists but um because it was a school trip uh and then but b it meant we were there in like golden hour and the acropolis is so impressive uh and they explained all this stuff like what the main building is like offset so that when you get to the top of the hill you don't just see the front of it you see the side of it and you go oh my god that's massive and you're so impressed immediately all this kind of stuff it's really interesting and it's a shame that so much of it is just in the British Museum for no reason. There you go. Well, it's, it's, it means you don't have to go all the way there to see it. Now Matthew's standing for colonialism. 
Uh, that's got merchandise written all over it. I stand colonialism. Oh my god! <laughs> um, if I was if I was a uh, if I was a kid in school, and they had that Assassin's Creed history tour, it'd be so disappointing because you'd be like, "Today we're going to play Assassin's Creed," and you'd be like, "Yes, this is going to be make this is going to be the best day of school ever." And then it turns out to be the version where they've taken out, like, you know, all the bits where you stab up a lion or whatever. Honestly, I would have been really happy with that as a a timid, pompous child. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been well up for that. Um, but yeah, I yeah. like I I like getting a fixer upper, and it sort of doesn't get up a raven home in. Um, is it called that? That's from Half Life, isn't it? The, anyway, the village you have in Assassin's Creed, yeah, um, yeah. Ravens, yeah, not Ravensthorpe, no, Ravens. Oh yeah, Ravensthorpe. Oh, it's one of them. Yeah, Something's I can't remember. Ravens, God, I spent so much. Bird Town. Um, that it's it, that's really good as well because you get to like build farms and that. And then... Robra. <laughs> I think that's a real place. But that you know, there's all these people who are like, "I'm the fisherman, but I can't fish until you give me a house." You know, I quite like mm. that. These people I... have got no initiative, have they? Like NPCs who just cannot think of a way to do their job unless you do a part of it for them first. Like if he's a fisherman, he should be well versed in the construction of fishing facilities, or he should just just fish from the bank. You know, I don't think it's, it. I don't think it's that specifically. I think he's like, listen, I've come all this way from our homeland. I'm not gonna start work until you've given me a cabin. You know, I think it's it's more of a sort of union thing rather than a, a lack of initiative. At least that's how it feels to me. I don't know. He should be. You know, this is a, a dangerous time in in England. You know, he should be. Gratefully, he's not getting stabbed up by, I don't know, Shrek in a ditch. <laughs> you provided him with safety. He could at least get you some eels. Shrek. A... The I real historical they... person, Shrek. Hey, hey, look, you know, Shrek was responsible for more, more deaths in the medieval period than all the Black Death outbreaks put together. Very frightening figure. Well... That was sobering, wasn't it? I got another house. <laughs> yeah, I got them. Spencer Mansion from Resident Evil One. A classic, a classic house. I was reading the Wikipedia page of this, and what I didn't realise is there's actually quite an in-depth history to the architect behind the Spencer Mansion. Um, apparently, in the fiction of Resident Evil. There's a bloke called George Trevor, an architect, and his whole deal is he's famous for building houses with, like, mad gimmicks, like, you know, crazy doors that you unlock with emblems and sort of secret passages, which is why he gets hired by Mr. Umbrella to build him a scary house. Um, but, uh... but, but he doesn't get hired to build it, like, as a scary house. He's just like, build me one of your famous gimmick houses. 
And it's only later that when he goes there that he discovers that the guy has built like a, a secret laboratory underneath, which is where all his zombie business happens. Um, the architect I, obviously wasn't very good at dog-proof windows, was he? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he offered that, and then the guy was like, "No, we don't. We don't. We won't be needing those." And he's like, "That's weird. It's like you want dogs to jump through at some point." <laughs> um, but I like the idea that there are. Lots of houses like the Spencer Mansion just all over America, but that, that aren't meant to be like they aren't zombie survival horror houses. There's just like reasonable people who wanted to have rooms that you can only open when you put like a shotgun in a statue's hands and things. It's just quite a arduous process of living, I would imagine. Yeah, I'd argue they're not reasonable people. Yeah, but you're not like. I don't think this guy ever sizes himself as like architect to maniacs. Yeah, but He's like just... what? That it's not. A, I agree. A very arduous way to look. What if there's a fire? You know. Well, and you... so he, he, here's the interesting thing. So apparently, and I, I never put put any of this together. Uh, he he sends his wife and daughter, the architect, when the house is finished. He sends his wife and daughter to visit. Uh, old Oswald Spencer or whatever his name is, the guy who owns the house. And uh, what he does is he, like, injects... He turns them into, like, the first ever zombies in his lab underneath. And then when the architect arrives, he's like, oh, yeah, your family came, but then they left for some reason. And they're actually under the house turning into... Because you meet someone called... You've, you've, you meet, like, the muti- mutated Lisa Trevor, who is the daughter of the architect of the house, which I, I, I didn't realise. But... But he um, apparently he goes to the house. He eventually cottons on something bad's happened. He tries to escape, um, but according to the game's Wikipedia, he can't remember how to solve any of the puzzles in this house he's just built, and he gets lost in a <laughs> tunnel and then dies of starvation. How can he not remember? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's the thing. Like he built this mad bullshit house where you have to collect like dog heads to open doors, <laughs> and then he can't remember how any of it works, and then he just gets lost and then dies. That's it. What a tragic what a end. Chump. Yeah. I have no sympathy for him. Should have built a normal house. Well, should, yeah, but that was his whole deal. I just, I, you'd think he'd be like, oh, I remember that. I mean, this is the last house he built, and he can't remember like how the locks work. Seems clumsy to me. Did he also build Agreed. a big cabin under it full of falsehoods? Oh, interesting question. He didn't. Oh. But there is one beneath this podcast, isn't there? Oh, very good. <laughs> Do you... uh, before we go into the Cabin of Lies, let's take a small break. Uh, and then we'll descend. Warzone Audio Bank, from our gun barrels directly into your ear holes. Welcome to your new favourite fortnightly COD podcast, Dropping in and sniping you from the side with all the latest Call of Duty Warzone goings on. Maybe you should have said 
Codcast. I'm James Law. And I'm Ed Thorne. Every second Friday we'll be dropping into the dance to discuss all the latest news and rumours from Activision's online juggernaut, Call of Duty Warzone. And of course, we'll also be sharing our own stories from the battlefield, such as that time James ruined our chances of victory by jumping into a vehicle and alerting everyone on the battlefield of our presence just so he could play Aha's Take On Me. You say that as if I don't do that every single match. Yeah, true. So basically, come and listen to your new favourite Call of Duty podcast, Warzone Audio Bang. Available on all good podcasting apps at rockpapershotgun.com. New episodes drop every second Friday. Alright, I don't have a snappy ending to this ad, do you? Nah. Okay, uh, Warzone Audio Bang. Flashbangs through the door. All right, lads. Uh, give me a uh, give me a sting. Hey. Oh, that was an interesting one this week. It was very pain this week. Promo. Yeah. <laughs> um, welcome to the cavern, lads. It's just me, and I'm shamefaced because uh, the lie in the cavern of lies this week is that we we have a cavern of lies. Because uh, we're recording a day early uh, due to normal editor Colin Mahan being away and me needing an extra day to edit it. Uh, and I completely forgot that we needed a cavern of lies because I'm all out of whack. I'm very sorry, listener. No, no, don't be sorry. This is where we all turn to camera and inform the, the listener that they've lost the cavern of lies because they didn't, they didn't realise there wasn't going to be one ahead of time. Oh. Matthew is standing right behind you now. Listen. <laughs> yeah. He's dressed as a butler. He's got and a vat of melted marbles, which <laughs> brains you with. And a vat of melted chocolate to turn you into. It. I'm, I'm dressed. I'm dressed as the Anthony Hopkins butler from Remains of the Day. <laughs> Would give him a very terrible fright indeed. I'm a butler. We'll have your tea. There are two types of Anthony Hopkins in the world. <laughs> you turn your back on tea, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we could do Anthony Hopkins merch or if we'd get sued. <laughs> oh, but good. Yeah, I'm very sorry, listener. It's, it's, it's me a culprit. It's entirely my fault. Um, and I do apologise. But hopefully we, we've made up for it with all the extra nonsense this week. <laughs> uh, it's more it's than usual. It really has. We'll, we'll, just um, have to, we'll have some mega fibs next week. Yeah, we'll do an extra special one. So oh, I shouldn't have promised that. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> All that remains then, um, because we don't have Kevin, is to do some recommendations. Uh, Matthew, are you going to recommend a depressing film? Or... Well, no, I'm going to recommend a good film. I'm going to recommend a film called The Spy Gone North, which is a, a Korean thriller, not part of the Korean Film Festival. This was just on Amazon Prime, uh, about a real-life South Korean spy who infiltrated uh, North Korea as uh, basically someone trying to sell trying to get North Korea to, to let them film South Korean TV adverts as a means to sort of spy on their their sort of nuclear reactors and things. Um, and about the kind of unlikely friendship between him and the man he's meant to be spying on. Um, it was really, really good. 
it had a scene where they go and meet old um, the last kid, Kim Jong Il, was it? Um, the the Kim of the time, and oh, yeah. um, it's great. It's like a it's like a proper like Bond villain scene, but with this real life figure. It's it's really really well done. Um, I really enjoyed it. Check it out. Sounds good. Uh, I am going to recommend uh, another book. It is called Such a Fun Age uh, by Kylie Reed. Uh, it's 2019. It was uh, listed for the Booker Prize. Uh, and it's really, really good. It is about a young uh, millennial uh, black woman who's working as a babysitter for a kind of affluent um, left-wing liberal feministish uh family um and she babysits for the kind of three-year-old child called briar she takes briar to a uh grocery store late at night because the family has a small sort of crisis and they need to get briar out of the house uh and at the grocery store she is stopped uh and accused of kidnapping briar um uh and then the book sort of follows how the relationship between her uh, between Amira, the babysitter, and Alex, her employer, kind of develops because Alex is, um, she's like a good liberal, um, but so it's about um, it's about race and race relations and privilege and racism, but not the kind of um, obviously hateful kind of you know burning crosses on the lawn kind of racism. Right. It's the kind of uh, it really re- it's really funny. Uh, in a lot of places, it really perfectly skewers the kind of neurotic, um, uh, kind of white savior racism of of kind of the the left wing who are in pursuit of wokeness for appearances' sake and are really worried about their Instagram and stuff. Um, really, really mm. funny and well observed, and uh, really, really good. Thought it was great. That sounds um, nice. Yeah, it was very good. It it pushed me to kind of self reflection, but without castigation. It's, very it's good. about time we put we we knock do gooders down a peg or two. <laughs> That's not what it. Is. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, that's your in ring persona there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a really good wrestler, actually. <laughs> he'd be no, he'd be a good manager, like like, like that. Yeah, that's the thing. The, like, the, like, the thing yeah. is, I'd take a single punch and then just have a heart attack, and that would be it. So <laughs> it wouldn't be like a great run. Would you be my manager? Oh, yeah, for sure. Amazing. What's your in-ring persona, Nate? Ghostus. Yeah, obviously. Sorry, I shouldn't have even asked. Actually, my, <laughs> my recommendation this week um, that does actually lead me on to it, uh, it's Roman Ghosts. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, quickly for the aquarium. I've got a really lovely new kind of rock, which I couldn't recommend more highly. Red Melaleuca. Uh, it's like a stratified sedimentary rock with lovely uh, shades of sort of warm grey through red and orange. Um, really, really nice if you're making um, a sort of a, a sandy landscape. I'm doing it for these Australian gobies, and it really looks the part. Mm, nice. So that's good. Uh, but my, my other recommendation is something I've discovered through being, being in it. Um, it's a stream called uh, run by a game making uh, uh, I, re- I can't do the speaks I'll try this again 
Uh, there's some people who make RPGs, little RPGs called MacGuffin and Co. Um, and they are at MacGuffin and Co. So M A C Guffin and Co. on Twitter. Uh, and they do a weekly stream where they they do like micro settings basically. And they're doing like a book of them at the moment. And I was invited on to play one called Primetime Coliseum, which is about sort of weird magical pro wrestlers in a slightly, well, heavily fictionalized version of ancient Rome. Wait, it's really they cool. thought you'd be a good fit for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Weird. amazing, isn't it? It's a, so, such a bad, bad match. Um, I played as Rostus, um, a young wrestler trying to uh, get out from the the shadow of his father, Ghostus's reputation. Nice. Um, isn't Ghostus Ghost oh. Caesar? Is canonically no no ghostus basically is an inveterate liar he claims okay. to be all kinds of things um like because i forget his backstory every time i tell it okay so ghostus is a pathological liar and in this in this continuity he was a wrestler uh, but i'm doing the second part of it this sunday at eight o'clock if you want to round off your mother's day with that but definitely check out their book of uh, micro settings as well. They are really funny, imaginative games. There you go. Nice. Right. Lovely stuff. Well, thank you for joining uh, us for this episode 132 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best buildings in games special uh, slash parenting <laughs> podcast this week. <laughs> um, uh yeah, uh, don't forget that Rock Paper Shotgun is on uh, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. Um, you should check out our other podcasts. We have two. There's the PC Gaming Week Spot with Matthew and Colin Mahan, where they talk about current events. And the new uh, Warzone Audio Bang, where uh, two lovely boys, Ed and uh, James, talk Such about Warzone. It's really good, isn't it? Warzone Audio Bang. They have a really good game as well where they talk about um, some of the screen names they've seen in the game this week and imagine the person. Oh, I like the sound of that. I need to give that yeah, a listen. Yeah. There you go. I didn't ask him to say that, listener. He he just had that response just then, real real life. Um, yeah. Uh, don't forget also uh, to check out our merch store, which is teespring.com forward slash, slash stores forward slash rock, paper, shotgun. Uh, and to join the Discord, there is a link to that in the show notes where you can chat about the podcast and also chat about video games uh, with other RPS fans. Uh, rate, Discord's actually and... really active now. It's lovely. It's good. Um, rate and review us. Give us five stars. Tell your friends. Tweet about us using the hashtag uh, fatblood and hashtag big oats and hashtag Squad, of which you are a member, dear listener. Uh, and for all your PC gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, for now, and until next week, we must say goodbye. So it's goodbye for me, Alice Bell. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Richard Rogers, architect. <laughs> Visit the dome. The dome. <laughs> and it's goodbye from the castle from Age of Empires 2. It was me crumbling. <laughs> Goodbye. Powerful.
Thank you.